This is New Hampshire's home for sports on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Chillers are up and running, but the ice temperature got so high, uh, up to almost 30 degrees, to bring it back down to where it needs to be around 2021 would take uh, another hour and a half or so. So it's unfair for both teams and our, more importantly, also our fans out there to sit and wait. So we'll, we'll look at tomorrow, uh, rescheduling the game, coming up with a policy for all our customers uh, that came tonight and uh, find another day for this game. Slap back after it, got it along the wall, tight tap, they score! What a set of hands from Matthews! Nice hustle to get the puck to Davidson, long shot, scores! Patrick Maroon in front, tips it home, and the St. Louis native ties the game at two. Who drew the penalty on the side of the goal, a pump on it, tip it on, they score! For Stieg with the goal. Beautiful passing. Another power play marker. The Flames are on top, three to two. Takes the puck away and starts the rush. Andre Sekera now to McDavid. McDavid cross ice. Here's a shot. Scores. Ryan Nugent Hopkins overtime winner. You know, good things happen. So you know, it felt good tonight, especially in my hometown. Yeah. What the goal was uh, great, but I wonder what you think of this reaction uh, by your son and family. It's pretty cool. Um, pretty emotional, but pretty cool, but I don't get to see him as much, and it's pretty special. Yeah, and he thinks that of you as well. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. Christmas is on the way. More time with Anthony. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it.
some new Dropkick Murphys for you. That track is called Blood. It's off their new album. Not the same without my man Scruffy Wallace playing the pipes, but still pretty good. The Dropkick Murphys uh, have a new album out. And I can, uh, if I can pull it up here, I already forgot the name of it. But it's a, uh, it's some good tracks on it. They do a great cover. If you're a fan of Liverpool, uh, they do a great cover of You'll Never Stand Alone, which is the Liverpool theme song. The name of the album, 11 Short Stories of Pain and Glory. 11 Short Stories of Pain and Glory. I could probably do about 40 of them, but uh, <laughs> I could make three albums out of that. <laughs> but hey, happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. Happy honor, whatever you're celebrating, I hope it's happy. And we are The Stretcher on. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy, here on ESPN New Hampshire. He is Justin Salvin. And as I introduced the show here, I'm looking at the TV, and it shows that clip of um, one Cam Newton coming in in that outfit that both you and I criticized him for last night. Yeah, it was a little much. Yeah, but did you see why yeah, he did it? I did. And I, so now I, fact, I, I take it back. I take it back, yep. even though nobody heard it. We didn't really have to do that. I, di- I did feel bad after. And, of course, Cam Newton wore an outfit to pay tribute to Craig Sager, uh, the wonderful sports announcer uh, who passed away last week from cancer at age 65. Uh, I think we were on the air, actually. That was when we were in uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, I think. Right? Yes. Yeah, yep. last Thursday. Yep. So uh, cool cool move by Cam Newton and some even cooler moves on the uh, field there, man. Yeah. I mean, he... He looked banged up in the beginning. He was battling that shoulder injury, but the uh, the Carolina Panthers knock off the Redskins Somehow. in a game that meant nothing. <laughs> that means nothing to them for the except pride. Yeah, and uh, they decide to show up, and the Redskins don't when they had a lot on the line there and looking bleak for the uh, the old Washington Redskins. Just horrible Just to make the playoffs. Horrible. Now they didn't even show up. Like yeah. it, like it wasn't even like they had a bad game. Like they didn't even show up. They didn't yeah. even show up on the bus. Like it was horrible watching that game. I flipped it on for about five seconds and said, you know what? I'm not going to watch this. this. This serves me no purpose watching this game. The Redskins have no heart right now. I'm just going to shut this off and go to bed. It and wasn't and, even and what it. was great, though, about this uh, Panthers win for me, though, was that <laughs> Mr. James Stewart propelled me into my fantasy football championship uh, in the Sloppy Sundays league that I am in. I've held this league for a long time now uh, in my team, Maddie's Brigade, named after my daughter, Maddie. Uh, defeated Matt Scully, Champions. my buddy. I talked to him about yes. I talked to you about yesterday. He works for the uh, New England Patriots. A comeback, and I won eighty-two to eighty-one. Uh, <laughs> we didn't think we were going to do it on the air yesterday. Remember, like, eh, yeah. I don't know. That's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah, Cole, Cole said, Cole said, no. Yeah, he had Pierre Gasson going. I was down yeah. by five points, uh, but there I am now, headed to the fantasy football Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, so pretty excited that. about that. And I also, uh, despite picking the Redskins like you, Sully, I did beat you. Yes. Uh, I that finished 8-6 yes. and six, uh, for the weekend. Uh, and, you know, nice little comeback. Yeah, nice week. Good you week. will have your chance to come back now <laughs> on Christmas weekend. I need a, uh, I need a big uh, weekend and Saturday. Now, I haven't looked at it, but now I know the majority of the games are going to be played Saturday on Christmas Eve day yes. for the NFL. Yes. Right? Correct. Is there a Thursday game this week? Yes, it is. Um, hmm. Oh, despite Philly and, oh, who's the other team? I'll look at it now. But uh, Philadelphia is in it. I, I okay, know, we'll I know I'm up. picking against Philadelphia. That's all right. I've already decided kind of in my head what I'm going to do. 
So there is a Thursday, there is a poop fest yes. this weekend. There is a poop fest uh, heading into poop Christmas fest. weekend. Uh, a good despite Richard Sherman's <laughs> wishes, there will be a Thursday night NFL game. And then, of course, as I said, there's going to be plenty of NFL action on Christmas Eve day. Of course. Uh, the Patriots, of course, will be hosting the New York Jets. Uh, and we will talk to one Mike Giardi of Comcast Sportsnet New England on this show today. That will be at 4.05. Before that, we will welcome on Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England, his uh, his colleague, uh, uh, CSNNE. As Joe will help us preview the Bruins Islanders tonight over at TD Garden. Of course, tonight, if you're going to the game, as is tradition at Bruins games in the final home game before Christmas... Uh, Renee Rancourt, yes. you know him, he sings the national anthem, we will be singing some Christmas carols, and we might have a little surprise on that note with you later in this show. Uh, so we got that coming up, and then we're going to talk to Bob Snow uh, about some NCAA hockey, look at the ho- holiday tournaments coming up, and a few other things. As I said, Mike Giardi at 405, at 425, Mike Shalin of the Manchester Union Leader, Sports Exchange, and Associated Press will join us to discuss the Red Sox trade of Clay Buckholtz uh, as they sent the pitcher to the Philadelphia Fly- uh, Flyers, Phillies, always thinking about hockey here, to the Phillies in exchange for a minor leaguer uh, in what could best be described as, or what could only pretty much be described as a salary dump. Uh, there's some speculation out there, maybe it's to clear space to bring in a hitter, but if you look at it and you do your math... <laughs> Clay Buckholz is making exactly what Chris Sale and Morehouse would be making, yep. or Moreland would yep. be making this week. Math is hard. You know, $13.5 <laughs> yeah. right there. So there you go. Yeah, salary dump is what that was. So he's basically part of that move. And, and, and trying to rid their uh, rotation of the, um, the, the mess that it is, the poop fest that it is in terms of playoffs and and having stones and being able to pitch in, in situations like that and being just head cases. That's another head case they don't have to deal with anymore. Yes, he was good this year, good, but we've seen what he, he's been good and then he's been horrible at times. Yeah. We've seen what he's, he's pitched done. a no hitter and, and then he's and been then he flips and he flips the switch. I know? think the biggest thing with him was health and yeah. his durability. I you know I mean he goes eight and starts the year and then he gets hurt, he had some you know? issues, you know emotionally and so yeah, but you know I thought. I'll tell you what, at the end of the year... Oh, we I agree. I was, was liking great. his warrior mentality more than, say, uh, David Price. He was great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, I, you know, I would have taken him any day of the week over David Price towards the end of the year. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you couldn't really depend on. And uh, he is off to Philadelphia. You want a little, little tidbit about Clay Buckholz? Best wishes to you, Clay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, know, you know where he met his wife? Hmm. No. Oh, at the Fine Arts of Providence. Ooh. You know, like the fine arts of Montreal yeah. we've yes. discussed before? Yes, the fine arts wow. of Providence. Interesting. She was a ballerina. Oh, very nice. At the Foxy Lady. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So that's where he uh, met the future Mrs. Buckholz, and she will be tagging along to Philadelphia with him as he becomes a Philadelphia Philly. We wish him the best of luck. But like I said, and we'll get Mike Shalen's take on this, I don't think it means they're clearing space for anybody. They're clearing space that they just used. Uh, because of the new CBA, uh, the luxury tax plays a much bigger role, and so that will keep them safe from that. So Mike Shalen joins us at 425 to discuss that. The Celtics are in Memphis tonight. 
which I love because it gave me many an option for music going into this segment <laughs> at 445 with Patrick Gilroy. Uh, as we will welcome him on to tee up that game. The Celtics look for, what is it, second or third in a row? I think they'll be third in a row now. Third win in a row, which could, I think, be the longest of the year. We'll have to yeah. check that out, and we will talk to Patrick Gilroy about that. We'll switch back to hockey in the final segment, talking to Andy Graziano of Sportsnet New York, an Islanders point blank. Uh, he covers the Islanders for them, and of course the, they are in town to play the Boston Bruins, and we will also ask him about the uh, situation of where they m- might be playing their home games in the near future because <laughs> yeah. it looks like they're going to be on the move again Bye-bye. within a- another two years. Yeah, the things are not working out in Brooklyn. So uh, we will talk to Andy about that and also the future of their captain, John Tavares, who will be an unrestricted free agent in 2018. Apparently, talks haven't even started uh, on an extension. Uh, it appears that he is uh, behind the scenes, not too happy about the direction Frustrated. and the situation on Long Island. Um, so we will get the latest on that. And uh, who knows? Maybe it could be in black and gold someday. I, I'd take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I would, I would move, take that move in Krejci? a heartbeat. Move Krejci? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put Tavares in as your... Absolutely. Make him the top I'd center. Bergeron, your second center. Back as your third. I give up all my Christmas presents from Santa for that. You would. That, that would be my. That would even be even your Christ- two front teeth. Even my two front teeth. That all would right. Be, that would be my Christmas gift. Even your two front teeth. John Tavares. For John Tavares as Absolutely. a Boston Bruin in 2018. Black and gold. Make it happen. I'll. Uh, you know the, the the hype will be that he's going to Toronto because he's a he's a native of Toronto just like it was for Stephen Stamkos. Saying, it just happened with Stamkos. Yeah. That's what happened there. So that get ready for that whole Tavares <laughs> to Toronto hype uh, <laughs> probably next summer, but. Hey, that's a good idea. You never know. I, I'm, I'm all on board. And, I'm all on board. Uh, hey, we also ask him how our man Johnny Boychuk is doing, a yes. guy that the Bruins dearly miss, regret miss him. letting walk God, or I actually trading uh, <laughs> prior to the 2013-14 season. So uh, Andy Graziano of Sportsnet New York will join us there. Uh, as you heard there, coming in on the new, uh, the new Dropkick Murphy song there, uh, Sully did a good job playing some Monday Night Football clips. Also... Some great uh, hockey clips. Uh, the Bruins were not in action last night, but there were four games. Ironically, every road team, it's the first time Ooh. in NHL history that in one night, wow. imagine that? Wow. In almost 100 years wow. of hockey, the first time in NHL history <laughs> wow. that every road team, when they play, excuse, when they played two games or more, yeah, they had four games Jeez. and the road team won every game. So you can bet on that, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I imagine like, what who, that would who's going to win the oh, yeah? Who's oh, going to win my. the most games each night? The home team of the world. So anyhow, Jeez. that was probably a uh, huge, huge odds. Yeah, <laughs> huge. But that happened, and one of the clips you heard there was uh, Patrick Maroon. And I want to. Can we go back to that? Yeah. You get that with the Edmonton Oilers. He scored have, the game tying goal. The interview afterwards. There, he scored the game tying goal against uh, St. Louis, and he's a St. Louis native. And I don't know his situation family-wise. It appears maybe him and his, uh, his wife uh, don't live together, and so he doesn't see his son much. I don't know if they're separated or, you know, she's just back there in St. Louis. She didn't want to move to Edmonton. I can't blame her. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite cold there. I agree. Um, but he apparently doesn't see his son much, and his son was in the stands in St. Louis watching a game, and, and they showed him a clip of him cheering when he scored the game-tying goal, and this was his reaction. You know, good things happen, so, you know, it felt good tonight, especially in my hometown. Yeah, well, the goal was uh, great, but I wonder what you think of this reaction uh, by your son and family. It's pretty cool. Um, 
pretty emotional, but pretty cool, but I don't get to see him as much, and it's pretty special. Yeah, and he thinks that of you as well. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. Christmas is on the way. More time with Anthony. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. And the reason I, I, I bring that up, and I wanted you to have that for today, Sully, is if you recall yesterday when we were talking to uh, Chris Forsberg, we yeah. were talking about, you know, players having to play on Christmas, Christmas or Christmas yeah, Eve Christmas and all games. that, you know, and, and, and not being with their family and what that's like and, you know, how there is a human element to these guys. I mean, after all, they're, yeah, they're pro athletes. Yeah, they make tons of money, and, and nobody's saying they don't have it, uh, a good life. But it's still, they're humans, and some of these guys have kids, and, you know, as you see there, you, you can see how sometimes it's it's not as rosy as it seems from the outside, and yeah. clearly, um, Patrick Maroon uh, does not get to see his son much because of his job, and he was there for him last night uh, to watch him tie the game and help the Edmonton Oilers there go on to beat the St. Louis Cruz. Yeah. There are things and bigger I, than I the I game. I just thought it was interesting that that happened right after our discussion with yeah, uh, Chris Forsberg yesterday, so... Figured I'd share that with share that with the listeners here. Uh, a great moment there in St. Louis. Um, you know, another thing we're gonna we're gonna talk to Joe Haggerty uh, shortly, and you know, I want to ask him. Joe travels a lot, you know, and uh, he gets to cover the Bruins for a long time. And I traveled once upon a time, and you know, maybe give him question of what it's like being a reporter on the road at this time of year. Yeah, you know. And give us some insight into that and maybe uh, see what that's like as well. I know he's going to be home this Christmas, thankfully, so he'll get to be with his two kids. But, hey, you know, I mean, these guys are human. They miss, they miss their family. There are some things and that it's are that bigger time of year, than the game. You know? There are some things that are yeah. bigger than the game, and that's, a, that's an exact example yeah. of it. Right I mean, there. I know. I was away from my daughter uh, for over a year uh, for work. Did not get to see her that much, so I know exactly uh, how Patrick Maroon felt there. In St. Louis. But we've got a great show in store for you. It's our uh, final week before Christmas, a short week. We are off the air on Friday and next Monday. Uh, We will be back Mm. at the Buffalo Wild Wings at the Mall of New Hampshire. Another mobile show. In Manchester, on the road again. Uh, Looking forward to that. Be a good time. Come on by if you're getting some last-minute Christmas shopping. I know I will be doing my Christmas shopping because I always wait until two days (laughs) Within Christmas, you get the best deals then. Of course. And it's usually less crowded. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody else has already done it. So I got it, stuck in traffic this weekend trying to just go get groceries. I was yeah. Like, I, I immediately. In the middle so, of that weather, too. As soon as I left, I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? It's, it's like two weeks before Christmas. Everyone's at the mall. I can't go grocery shopping. I can't do anything right now. I got to stay home. I got stuck in that traffic. Amazon is my best friend right now. That I did everything on Amazon. Yeah. Easiest thing in the world. Yeah. It was. Uh, it's always that way. That's the best way to do it. But. I still like going out sometimes and getting it. I am going to be at the Mall in New when Hampshire. You're there. So I Easy will, enough. Exactly. I will pre-show shop at the Mall in New Hampshire and then do our show, the stretch run, at Buffalo Wild Wings in the Mall in New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, on Sunday, 3 to 6 p.m. Hopefully I'll see you there. Come on by. We'll share a holiday cocktail. And we will be back with Joe Haggerty here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Don't shut me out. Don't hold me
You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. Still Sager strong as today the memorial celebration for the late TNT reporter Craig Sager was held in Georgia, highlighted by Sager's family and his TNT colleague Ernie Johnson. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was on hand as well. So was Spurs head coach Greg Popovich on the court tonight. The Rockets will go for 11 in a row as they host Greg Popovich and the Spurs. Sacramento will be home to play Portland with reports that the Kings have hit big man Boogie Cousins with a substantial fine for going off on a Sacramento Bee columnist. NFL News, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said the defensive end Randy Gregory back from his suspension will play Monday night against the Lions. Tonight it's the Boca Bowl, Memphis facing Western Kentucky. And in baseball, the Red Sox have traded pitcher Clay Buckholtz to the Phillies for a minor leaguer. I'm Jeff Biggs, NBC Sports Radio. At Jared, we turn feelings into jewelry. Jewelry that tells her she's the best thing that's ever happened to you. Like an iconic watch from our spectacular Movado collection. The timeless Movado Museum dial with its signature single dot design looks even more modern today than when it debuted in 1947. And this holiday season, it will look even better on her. The one unique gift that says it all. That's why he went to Jared. ADT presents what to consider when considering home security. An ADT sign is more than a sign. It's a line in the sand. On one side, your family. On the other, an uncertain world. For over 140 years, more people have chosen ADT to help prevent crime than anyone else. Get ADT starting at just $28.99 a month. Tested, trusted, proven ADT. With 36-month contract for licensing and terms and conditions. The Patriots play the Jets in New York in a special Saturday Christmas Eve day game. Kickoff is at 1 p.m. This is ESPN New Hampshire's Pete Terrier wishing everyone a happy holiday and inviting you to join me for an afternoon of fun, prizes, and football with Coors Light at the Wild Rover Pub in downtown Manchester. The Rover is a Manchester institution, and it's a great place to watch the Pats. You can order something delicious to eat and wash it down with an ice-cold Coors Light. Cheer on the Pats at the Wild Rover Pub, 21 Kosciuszko Street, downtown Manchester. Chester. Map out an adventure your whole family will always remember. Disney on Ice presents Passport to Adventure. Journey across the African plains with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Fly off to Neverland with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Explore the underwater world of Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian. And trek through Arendelle with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf from Disney's Frozen. The journey begins in your hometown. Playing January 26th through 29th at SNHU Arena in Manchester. Tickets are on sale now. Visit DisneyOnIce.com today. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is a place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire Magazine. 
Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic is shot. Down in front, picked up by Crosby. Lobbed down the ice. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to Jacobs. Three for the win. It's good. Steps back, puts up a three, won't go. Final seconds, it's over, it's over. Cleveland is a city of champions. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. We've got it all here. This is ESPN New Hampshire. If you're a homeowner facing foreclosure and a so-called loan modification expert asks you for an upfront payment, run and run fast. Be aware of promises that can't be kept, like, I guarantee to save your home. We can significantly lower your mortgage payment. Protect yourself from foreclosure scams. Assistance from a HUD-approved housing counselor is your assurance that the information is trustworthy and it's free. Visit www.hud.gov slash fairhousing. A message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. Join the conversation at 603-883-9900. Here on ESPN New Hampshire. Our next guest is a gigantic Star Wars fan, and Chewie is one of his uh, his favorite characters. And when I ever saw that, I had to play that for him in the spirit of the holiday and the Star Wars movie coming back. (laughs) Mr. Haggerty, how are you? Wait, what? What the hell is that? That's awesome. I got to find that. I'll send it to you, my friend. That is Chewbacca singing Jingle Bells. (laughs) I love it. Oh, my God. Gonna go in my iPod immediately. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I continue this interview anymore. I'm laughing too hard. Wait, what? Ah, <laughs> oh, my uh, friend, how are you? Merry Christmas, buddy. How's everything? Merry Christmas, Murph. Uh, everything is good. Uh, uh, the Bruins are here for uh, the last game before the holidays, so we got Renee Rancourt singing the that, yep. Christmas carols in between periods tonight. That's always uh, fun. Dennis Seidenberg back for his first game. Uh, since leaving the Bruins with the Islanders. Just uh, good stuff all around, and uh, looking forward to a, a fun holiday season with my family, as I'm sure you are, too. That's right. And, of course, yeah, Sides isn't the only former Bruins defenseman on that Islanders blue line. There's one that some would argue they have missed dearly uh, over the last few years. He was traded away before the 13-14 season, and that is Johnny Boychuk there. Have you had a chance to catch up with uh, with Boychuk? 
Yeah, not not yet. Uh, I'm going to see him, I think, quickly after the game is over. Uh, I know how he's doing, though. He's such a happy-go-lucky guy. He's always doing well. Um, he uh, It's interesting, though, right? The, clearly, they've missed him. There's no question about that, both in the dressing room, on the ice. Uh, I, I think he was a guy that was one of the players that really created that unique chemistry that this team had uh, when they were in their, uh, their cup window uh, that has since closed. Um, but one of the second round picks that they got for him, they turned into Brandon Carlos. So uh, mm. they got a, a younger version uh, with potentially a higher ceiling uh, for on a, you know, entry level deal. It took a, a, two, a couple of years of hardship to get there. Yep. Uh, but I'm sure in their grand scheme, that's kind of how they drew it up. Eventually uh, was replacing Boychuk with a younger player that could step in and give them a lot of years of good service at a cheap price. And, you know, that's that's what we're seeing now. That's part of the the cap era. But it would have been nice if uh, Peter Shirelli had been able to find a way to maybe uh, deal away or, or do away with the contracts of, like, you know, Chris Kelly, Gregory Campbell, and Daniel Paye instead of Johnny Boychuk at that time, though. Looking back on it in hindsight, maybe that would have been the way to go. I hear you. I hear you. Now, you look at this uh, team, and we'll, we'll stay with the defense here. Uh, Joe, last week, Thursday, against Anaheim, you know, you can credit some of it to playing the night before and a game in Pittsburgh and all that. And But still, one of those games that Claude Julian definitely didn't like. Too much back-and-forth action. The Bruins are not a team that want to get into a track meet with anyone. And, you know, some questionable goals out there. And then they come back and they play the L.A. Kings, who, you know, headed into that game, one could easily say the Kings are going to roll right over the Bruins right now. They're... they're they're much more physical. They're the LA Kings. And yeah, I know they're missing Jonathan Quick. But at the same time, I mean, that was a very solid defensive performance in my eyes from the Boston Bruins. And I'm just wondering, are you like me? Are you, are you trying to figure out, like, who the heck are these guys? Like, what? You just don't know what you're going to get. They're like the Forrest Gump of uh, the NHL. Well, look, I was, you know, you have to be impressed with them playing a one nothing game and standing toe-to-toe against the big, heavy, physical LA Kings team. There's no doubt about that. But um, the Kings are on a long road trip going through the East Coast. Uh, I think the, the Bruins caught them at exactly the right time when they've uh-huh. been kind of, you know, they're hitting that wall uh, out on the road. And, you know, I got the sense that they were, the, the Kings were just grinding and battling to try to, you know, just get a point, get into overtime, and that that maybe wasn't the best uh, that the Los Angeles Kings have to offer that the Bruins saw. You know, that's, that's just me point. being honest. I don't want to take away anything that the Bruins did in that game, uh, but I did feel like that watching that game that, you know, the Bruins caught them just like they had been caught by Colorado and Anaheim, uh, you know, at the end of a long stretch of games and against a team that was sitting in Boston the night before waiting for them while they were playing, uh, that they were on the wrong end of that uh, compacted schedule that's affected so many players and so many teams uh, to this point uh, in the year. And they were the beneficiary, I thought, against the Kings. But like I said, not to take anything away from them. I still thought they played a pretty good game, but you know we still see a lot of the same things with this Bruins team, which is they're going to be good defensively. They're making a, a lot stronger plays and better plays uh, in their own zone than they were a year ago. Certainly the goaltending is way better than it was a year ago, uh, but they're really scuffling and struggling to score goals right now. And, mm. uh, it's apparent every time they take the ice, whether it's five on five or the power play. Yep, and you're right. I mean, that would explain the Kings' fatigue there would explain uh, one Jimmy Hayes' uh, performance in that game. <laughs> if Jimmy Hayes is doing that to you, you know you're tired. 
Well, you know, two things, right? You know you're tired, and you also know that uh, Frank Vetrano is getting healthy and about to uh, push his way into the lineup, and uh, Jimmy Hayes has all of a sudden got a fire under him to try to protect That's a great point. I think, I think there's a little bit of that going on right now, too, Mark. Good segue there, Joe. I was going to just ask you about uh, Frankie V there. He comes back to the lineup, and, and sure, he will bring some added sco- scoring punts that they need, but I, I almost feel with the way some of the fans and media are talking about it right now, and, and obviously it stems from uh, their scoring woes, is that you know they think this guy is going to come in and, and be the solution. And I mean, let's let's be realistic here, man. I mean, yeah, he can come in and he'll help, but he's not going to be the solution, right? No, I don't think he's going to be the solution. I think the solution is uh, you know some of their players like Patrice Bergeron who have underperformed this year. Get, get it going, reverting back to what they've done in the past, David Krejci, Ryan Spooner, all those guys. I think that's a much bigger solution than anything else. But let's also be realistic. They don't have a lot of top six, high-end, uh, goal-scoring, skill-type players on this team. And I think when Frank Vetrano is at his best, uh, you know, he hasn't done it as much in the NHL, but he still scored eight goals in 39 games last year, uh, was close to a 20-goal pace, and was just absolutely torching the AHL. Um, you know, that's somebody that can help. And, you know, my issue is a game like today or tonight, uh, they're not going to play him. He played two games in the A over the weekend. He scored a goal in each of the games. He looked much better in the second game. Um, you know, you're going to play Anton Bleed and Noel Achari and, you know, uh, Riley Nash and some of these other players instead of getting the guy that can score goals and make something happen out of nothing uh, back into the lineup uh, when you're starved for goals right now and when you can't score when David Postenek is out. Uh, I don't get what what's the difference if he practices one more time tomorrow and they play him uh, Thursday night in Florida. Like w- one day of practice is going to make all that much difference. I, I don't get them uh, moving slowly here to put him back in, and I, I don't understand why they're doing that when they need offense so badly. Um, but obviously, I don't think anybody I've heard is saying that Frank Matrano is a savior. He's just a guy that can put the puck in the net. And right now, they need as many of those guys as they possibly can have. And to, to drag their feet by putting them back in doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that. You look at the way the team's gone in terms of the how they react to the quality of opponent that they're playing, right? And we, we've seen this in the past with some of these Bruins teams over the recent years where they play to the level of the team they're playing. And I see that so much right now this season where, you know, they'll step up and they go to Montreal and they take that game in overtime, then they take a point in Pittsburgh, and then they come back and lay an egg last Thursday night. Your take on that, and how does it, mentally, how do you overcome that? How how does a team kind of get past that that problem that seems to plague the Bruins right now? Yeah, some of it, as I referenced earlier, I think is definitely because of the schedule that they're playing. And you know, there are going to be times where they're going to have a hard time, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to really grind through it in order to get results. And every team is going through that. But I think the good teams are finding a way to take care of business when they have to, even when the schedule's not in their favor, uh, at certain points to bank points in, in the standings. And, you know, to lose to Colorado, even if the schedule was, you know, like, knocking you back a little bit and the Avalanche were well-rested, that's one that I think is inexcusable. You know, that's when you look at and say a playoff team doesn't blow a game like that and doesn't, you know, find a way to at least, you know, get it, get it into overtime, get it into uh, the two-point column and, you know, find a way to get the result against a team that's not going anywhere. And, you know, 
those are the ones that I think you look at, at right now and say, is this a team that's going to make the playoffs when they can't do something like that? And you know, you know that uh, Florida, Tampa, maybe Detroit, certainly maybe Toronto, uh, as they get better as the year goes on, and some of those young players maybe with the young legs really uh, push the Maple Leafs. You would expect that some of these teams below them are going to catch them and or really push them hard. Mm. Uh, and it looks like only three teams are going to make it out of the Metro division. Um, so they have to take all these games seriously, and they have to get points here. And they, you know, these are teams that they have to beat. And like this is, goes back to my Toronto point, Mark. I feel like maybe they think they can get by the Islanders without putting them back in there, uh, and that they can you know win one nothing, two to one, and, and have a game similar to what they did against the Kings. You know, take the points against a team that hasn't played well, and then get out on the road and, and you know maybe put them back in the lineup there. I think that's kind of looking past the Islanders, and I think that's sort of philosophically what they're doing right now. And I think it's stuff like that that opens the door for them uh, to play the way they do against some of these teams. And, you know, the, the Bruins aren't good enough to beat teams just by throwing the pucks out there and playing. Uh, when they start to take uh, look over teams, even the bad ones, that's when it comes back to bite them. And, you know, it's a sign of a team that still maybe doesn't have the focus exactly where it needs to be. And, uh, you know, is that a leadership thing? Is that a coaching thing? Is that a higher up the food chain thing? Organizationally, I think you could, you know, make cases for all that stuff. And uh, maybe that doesn't change until they make uh, a bigger philosophical change uh, than what they've done so far. Absolutely in agreement with you. And you brought up the standings there, and you're absolutely right. If our listeners do take a look at the standings right now, you will see how strong that Metro division is. And, oh, by the way, Carolina's been pretty good as well, despite their ice problems down there. But, I mean, they've, <laughs> they've been a really pesky team as well. And on that they don't home have ice, ice problems like that in uh, Quebec City, do they, Mark? Oh, I said that in a crossover. There we go. Great minds <laughs> think alike. No, they don't, my friend. They don't. Absolutely. And you know that's going to start that position themselves uh, to get the wild, card, the second wild card to face a team that maybe they think they'll fare better with. And he cited, you know, last year the Panthers trying to face yeah. the Islanders as opposed to the Penguins or Rangers. And for our listeners that yep. didn't see it, he's suggesting that they award division champions a potential five home games in the opening round best of seven against the wild card opponents who would thus get just two at home under what would then be a 1-2-4 format. That would pretty much put an end to the practice of dumping into a lower seed to get a more advantageous path to the cup, wouldn't it? For ownership, that would lose a potential home gate as a consequence of intentionally sliding to a wild card also would be penalized. Your thoughts on that? Do you think you could ever envision the NHL doing it? I don't, but I kind of like the idea. I think it's it's in concept, it's sound, and I think it makes sense uh, to, to make it interesting and to eliminate that, but I, I don't think you're going to see any owners on by the other token that are going to give up a home game. Right. Um, you know, uh, just by virtue of how they finish in the standings. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a tough sell. For as many owners as like, think they might add a home game, that's going to be a tough sell to ones that are just going to get one away uh, because of the way the standings uh, fall out. And I don't think they're going to be uh, as interested in eliminating what is a potential problem towards the end of the season with playoff, uh, playoff positioning like you're talking about by potentially sacrificing a home game. I just don't see the Board of Governors voting for that. Um, I, I do think it's interesting. I'm always for stuff like that, and I think that would be, uh, you know, great. I, I'm, I've also been a big advocate for, you know, uh, potential uh, three-point regulation wins yeah. uh, to make teams not play for ties uh, towards the end of the third period, too. Like, any of that stuff, I, I think is good. It would be fun for the game and 
you know, uh, good from a competitive uh, standpoint, but I stuff like that that affects the bottom lines of these teams. I just don't see the owners <laughs> voting for stuff like that. And, you know, credit Larry Brooks for the idea, but yeah. I, there's no way you're going to see uh, most of the hawkish owners decide to go that route. Maybe give up a home playoff game. Exactly. It's all about the bottom line, hence the Olympic situation, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, there you hence, go. hence the lockouts. And everything that's oh, happening yeah, yeah. in the game, you know, I, that 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 pushes uh, the ball and pretty much everything. Exactly, my friend. Well, you follow you, the money, Murph. That's what they say. Follow the money. Exactly. You referenced it earlier. Uh, one Renee Rancourt will be singing his Christmas carols tonight, so we will send you out with some Renee Rancourt Christmas carols, my friend. You have a merry Christmas, Joe. I hope to catch up with you soon and uh, enjoy the game tonight. I, I will, and as, as Renee would say, between periods tonight, Murph, please not be done. <laughs> Feliz Navidad, my friend. That is Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England joining us here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Next segment, we'll talk some college hockey with Bob Snow, so stay with us. We'll be back. Oh, 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 yeah. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun Now the jingle hop has begun Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock Jingle bells chime in jingle bell time Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square in the frosty air everybody sing it what a bright time well it's the right time to rock the night away jingle bell here we go jingle bell time what a swell time to go riding in a one-horse sleigh oh giddy up jingle horse pick up your feet jingle around the clock now mix and mingle in a jingle and beat everybody. That's the jingle bell. That's the jingle bell. That's the jingle bell rock. Nobody talks sports like we do. You're listening to the number one sports station in New Hampshire. It's ESPN New Hampshire. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered out the door into the snow when we found her oh, poor grandma. Poor grandma. I, mean, I don't know what happened. Maybe maybe our next guest, Bob Snow, can get to the bottom of this uh, this mystery that is still, to this day, What? how did grandma get run over by a reindeer, Bob Snow? What happened? Murph, you won't believe this, but I think I saw her paddling a canoe off the middle of Ferry Meeting Lake this morning. <laughs> She's still alive? Not only is she alive, but she's still kicking and paddling. <laughs> oh, Bob, how you doing, my friend? Merry Christmas. 
You too, buddy. Listen, I'm doing okay. I'm off to the bees later. I was in the practice this morning and was in the Jack Capuano, of course, on that great main law with Sean Walsh and putting that program together back in the 80s. But I'm doing okay. And, man, I mean, uh, Jack's accent has not disappeared at all, has it? No, it has not. No, it has just a uh, little main inner core of, of uh, keeping these guys whipped. Not cracking the whip. He talked about not be, you can't beat up these guys at the pro level like you put at the college level. But at the end of the day, uh, no, Jack's, uh, Jack's a regular down east mainer from back in the mid-'80s when yep. John Walsh put that great program together. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, they're in some trouble, though, the Islanders. Uh, we, we'll yeah, talk more sure, about uh, that they, later. But, they can score, but they can't. Uh, they, they don't do too good giving up goals. Although you know, I talked to Dennis Seidberg this morning, and oh, good. He actually, believe it, he's their best defenseman so far. Yeah, I love Sides. He's always a great guy. He's a good state, one Super of the best stay-at-home defensemen I think around still. Yeah, uh, he's they got, they underrated. Got him for a bargain too. They got him for a million bucks a year. One yep. year for a million bucks. He's got a plus nine. He's played, I think, twenty-six games. He's got ten points. He's doing what. He always did in Boston, and they thought that he ran out of gas here, but he's doing okay in the island. Actually, in Brooklyn. I hear Yeah, that's right. Well, it could be the island again. You never know. It could be. Yep. It could be. They can find a way to build a $500 million rink. I'm sure they'll go back out there. We will see what happens with that. But we are going to talk right now about some college hockey, and we uh, want to finish our conversation from last time uh, about the connection between Boom Boom Jeffreyon and Alabama Huntsville. Yeah, of course. Remember, we ran out of time last week. We didn't mention the fact that the Jeffrey on family, of course, of famous NHL law, but also of uh, NCAA law, Bryce Jeffrey on had been at Alabama Huntsville when I think his his, uh, his dad was involved. That would be Boom Boom Jeffrey on son. Uh, these be the grandchildren. But we didn't. We failed to mention that Blake Jeffrey on was the 2010 Hobie Baker winner when he played for Wisconsin. So that That's was right. important detail to make sure we put out there. I kind of looked at his history, and I think he's. May have fallen off the map. I think he played last by Hamilton back in the Montreal. Well, he had, he had a brutal injury. Remember that? Yeah, he did. I think Nashville drafted him, helped me out. Yeah, and really, yeah. And really he had this brutal, brutal injury on a, on a borderline hit. I remember that. He was rushed to the hospital, and they, they, he had yep. brain damage. Yeah, it was bad. Yep, yep, yep. So the Jeffrey on family's been through a lot, you know, whether it's at the uh, simple level of trying to keep programs going or making sure – that their famous offspring are healthy more than, than playing, so to speak. But, yeah, that's a, that's a detail that we need to include about Blake Jeffrey on being the 2010 Hobie Baker winner. For sure. Uh, you know, you look right now, Bob, uh, at the rankings, and, you know, it, for the most part, it's, it's stayed the same here. Um, but there, there's two teams that we want to focus on right now. They could really duke it out until the end there and could be sitting atop neck and neck uh, come March. And that's Minnesota, Duluth, and Denver. Talk about the, the competition they're in right now. Yeah, we wanted to try to get there last week, too. But two weeks ago, they had a great uh, great two-game set, I think, was at Denver. Denver won the first game 4-3 to three down, I think, a couple of goals, came back with a big second period. And then the second game, uh, Duluth won 3-1. to one. I think, you know, you and I like to go out to Limbaugh a lot a couple of years ago. We did a good job of predicting that the only way that uh, the only player that maybe could carry a national championship team was John Gillies when he played for Providence. Was sure enough, mm. that, you know, Providence won the national championship. I remember we had that conversation. But I think we can go out on a limb right now and predict. You know, hopefully we'll be doing a show live and from from the United Center in Chicago. But I'll be shocked if either Duluth or Denver are not playing for the national championship in April. And, and just specifically about Denver, I mean, we know that Gwazdecki was there for such a long time. 
uh, Bob, and, and the imprint he had, and, and you know, and uh, we'll always have on that program there. But uh, talk about what you know, what the transition—I can't talk today—transition was like for them after he left, and how they've sort of maintained that status as an elite program. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of question marks around Gwazdecki's departure. You know, I think that the school thought about maybe it's best to part ways with him, and then he kind of if you will, play the game of not knowing whether he wanted to accept their contract. I'm not sure there ever was a contract. Um, but in any event, you know, Gwazdecki moved on. I think he's an assistant. Help me out. Still no, he's a head coach at a high school uh, program in Denver. Yep. You're kidding, really? Yeah. He's out of the NHL. I didn't even know that. But yep. Gwazdecki did a great job. Don't forget, give him his due. You know, Denver's the last team to win back-to-back championships in 2004 and 2005. But um, I think Jim Montgomery... There was a, a tremendous amount of heat put on Jim Montgomery to come back to Maine. I always tell the great story about the 1993 title game. I think it was the best. It's the best NCAA story I think about a championship game. Maine was down three to one that year to Lake Superior State. Uh, Sean Walsh pulled Dunham in favor of Goss Snow, put him in net. Uh, and in, in the, I think it was the third period, the first seven minutes of the third period, Jim Montgomery scored a hat trick with all three assists set up by by um, Paul Correa, and went on to win that game. I think the final score was 5-3 to three or 5-4. to four. But Jim Montgomery got a lot of heat to come back to his alma mater in Maine, but chose to take the Denver job. You and I have talked a lot about maybe guys who might be potential NHL candidates. Uh, I had a great conversation with Billy Jaffe a few weeks ago about that fact. But I think Jim Montgomery in Denver is showing that he is not only a top NCAA coach, but is probably... NHL worthy if, they, if a team wants to make the same kind of jump they did to Dave Hackstone when they took him from North Dakota to Philadelphia. He's done a great job with the Denver Pioneers. Yeah, and just uh, for the list, uh, Gwazdecki coaches at Valor Christian High School uh, in Highlands wow. Ranch, Colorado. Actually, my good friend Mike Chambers, who covers the uh, Avalanche for the Denver Post, his son plays wow. for them, and he was telling me that they are like uh, one of these huge programs in the Colorado, in Colorado hockey there, in high school hockey, and He's going to be sending a lot of kids uh, to Division One hockey for sure. So, wow, good for him. But yeah, Jim Montgomery yeah, has done a great job, and and really, you know, we see it in co- in college football. Sometimes it takes a while for a program to sort of turn the page and and, and go to a new chapter there in their history. Um, but that's good on Denver that they were able to do it so smoothly. It was almost seamless, you know. Not to shortchange Luthi, the Scott Scandal has done a great job. At Duluth, and don't forget, they're the last of those two teams to win the national championship back in 2011 uh, when, when Duluth won it over, over I think they beat Michigan. That's right, that, that when they had, the, they had all, they all had uh, bleach blonde hair, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The bleach blonde boys, they thought they were still surfing on the, on the West Coast. <laughs> but, but, it, but in any event, they did a great job that year, and Sandlin's got them right back at the top of that heat. So, yeah. again, I think we'll go on the limb right down where I can say that, you know, that second Saturday in April, I'll, I'll be shocked if we don't have either Duluth or Denver playing for the title. Don't forget, Denver took North Dakota, you know, to the limit in the semifinal last year before losing to North Dakota. So they came close to playing for all the marbles six months ago, too. Exactly, and of course, you and I have seen them uh, play for it here in Boston a couple times. Uh, Bob, uh, what's five Christmas gifts uh, in the college hockey world that we can look forward to right now? Well, you know, Murph. We know we heard as much, but I did say let's give a plug to the five gifts. We both love the University of New Hampshire, but I have a little partiality to the University of Miami, too. So I'm hoping that this year uh, either Miami or UNH gets their first ever national championship. UNH came so close in 99, 
Joe T. lost to Maine again in 2003. They lost to Minnesota. And, of course, Rico Blasio at Miami. I mean, there's a, there's a whole program that flies under the national radar screen, but he is such a class act. And I'll tell you, talk about a, hand out a couple of handkerchiefs. They had the national title game won in 2009, up, I think, 3-2 to on BU. And then Nick Benino scored to tie the game in the last minute, and Kobe Cohen scored the game winner to take BU to the national championship, and I tell you, it was a crushing, crushing loss for Miami. So hats off to Rico Blasi. Hopefully UNH or Miami gets the national championship. Second one, you'll like this one, Murph. Northeastern wins a bean pot. Yeah, I love that. They can Third do one, it. They- I, well, I think, you know something, Madigan gets this team kind of ready in the second half, and, and certainly the Beanpots played in the second half. They were the best team best team in the country last year, second half of the season. I think they went 19-1 and or 20-1 and yep. before they fouled out of the tournament. And then third gift, uh, Mark Morris. Let's go back to him against St. Lawrence and the NCAAs. That'll be a great story in the spring if St. Lawrence makes it the N- at the NCAAs. Fourth gift, Mike Cavanaugh at UConn done a great job. I want to see UConn playing. In the hockey tournament in March, and the last one, how about a Hobie Baker? Go back to the Hobie Baker for first ever school, and that'd be Mike Vecchione at Union. Right now, he's the he's the Hobie. He leads the Hobie voting early, early on. It's got a couple months to go. So let's see if we can get a Hobie Baker award going to Union up in upstate New York. That'd be a great a great Christmas gift for the NCAA and for Union. That's right. And of course, Union produced uh, Gossesphere, uh, the defenseman for the Flyers, who's uh, become one of the best in the game there. Uh, and, and finally, before we let you go, Bob, uh, give us three good stats of the week here. Three good stats. We talked about the NCAA Division Division One graduation rate, 91.5% for hockey, Murrah. 91.5% thanks to our good friend Nate Duell over at College Hockey Inc. who gives us this stuff. Second question, can you name the school that had the most Hobie Baker winners? Ooh. Tough one. Uh, Duluth. Oh, really, Duluth? I was going to say North Dakota. Minnesota Duluth. And last, I'm not going to give you the answer. We'll, make, we'll catch up with it next week. You ready for this? Yep. The two Stanley Cup winners with the most NCAA names on it. They both have the same number. Let's throw it out there. We'll answer it next week. I think I know. But, uh, yeah, we'll save it for next week, my friend. Always a pleasure, Bob. You and yours have a wonderful Christmas, all right? Merry Christmas to you, Murph. Keep up the good work, buddy. Thank you. All right. That is Bob Snow joining us, as he does every week at this time, to discuss college hockey and Ah, one of my favorite Christmas movies is uh, The Christmas Story. And we'll send you out with this wonderful version from that movie. Here we go.